0: I'm going to bit them with scrap One elected and protected by the a little bit of critics speak the keep a so make them get faced if them face with face my clock I see the enemies them lies and go surprise if them lie no clean or thing I talk If them love them like them watch how them move and I know them I talk We don't lie on them wake and roll that means I don't talk, no park If something them I prove then something them lose and I'm not dead talk Peep black up in a minute and midnight up in a minute talk Don't be fooling yourself I think I you alone smart The Welcome everyone to another episode of the "Less us We Forget podcast, a historical podcast by Tenementian Media. I'm your host of this episode, Davy. And on this episode, we will be going into the details of the largest student protest to ever happen in the Caribbean. Yeah, which is the Rodney protest, which evolved into the Walter Rodney riots. Um, yeah it wasn't meant to be all right it was a protest and things happen Um, if you're listening to this this particular episode this is an updated version of the episode that we did in 2020 so in light of activities and you know news and some updates that happened in 2021 we just decided to just do an updated version of this episode you know so we'll give you more information and stuff like that yeah for to see the sources used in this episode, you can always go ahead and check out our website at www.tenementyardmedia.com. That's www.tenementyardmedia.com. You just click on, then again, if you type in Tenement Yard Media into Google, the first thing you going to see, um, you click, when you on the website, say, so click podcast, click, list we forget, and then you just scroll down until you see the run Riots. And then I use that. You know, you see all the sources, all the books and the research papers and there are a couple of movies that we use for this episode. Just a lot of sources. Um, while you're over there, you can always donate to the yard. You know, there's a local, you know, thing we you can assist <laughs> us um, in the great work that we do. Because research material not cheap and National Library of Jamaica, yeah, 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 they're expensive very expensive, and you can always join our Patreon, it's like a dollar a month, just a dollar a month, so yeah, Um with that being said, you know, we're going to go into the the Rodney protest, and uh, the events surrounding the Rodney protest, and then we're going to talk how it became known as a riot, to be note, yes, it's about Walter Rodney, but Walter Rennie there's so many so many lives of Walter Rennie like he exists in so many spaces that we'll we just gonna focus on the, the riots you understand we are gonna give a bit more details about other things that he have done across the world because he did a lot of things but we'll just like a, you know keep it to the right so as you know tenement Yamida grew And as soon as we can afford more resources, then we can do some more episode on Walter Rodney. But for this one, it's just the riots. All right. So let us begin. So we're going to get an introduction into Walter Rodney. And then we can, you know, that's how we're going to begin the story. So Walter Rodney was born in Georgetown, Guyana on the 23rd of March, 1942. His parents were workers who struggled to get him through primary school. He attended Queen's College in Georgetown where he won an open scholarship to the University of the West Indies to read for a bachelor's in history, right? In secondary school, he distinguished himself in extracurricular activities. He was in a student cadet corps as well as being a high jump and a debater. And at the University of West Indies, his debating techniques were improved and he was known as one of the sharpest debaters with a very cutting tongue. He was a champion debater at the university and represented the University of the West Indies at the Pittsburgh Debating Championships in the United States of America. While at the university, he was active in student politics and campaign extensively in 1961 in the jamaica <laughs> referendum on the west indies federation which inevitably you know jamaica would job because we said no um his first writing on slavery and on guyanese politics appeared between 1961 and 1963 it was at the university of the west indies Mona Campus that he strengthened his skills at indoor games such as bridge scrabble and chess so he would go on to get a first-class honors degree from the University of the West Indies in history. So yeah, after he got a first-class honors degree from the University of West Indies in history, um, Walter Ronnie he went to the School of Oriental and African Studies at the University of London in 1963. He came to Europe on a cargo boat as part of the first prize he won in an IQ test. It was his first visit to Europe. In London he did his doctoral research on slavery on the Upper Guinea coast and did painstaking work on records of Portuguese merchants both in England and Portugal. Um, before he finished his doctorate in 1966 he would marry Patricia Henry from Guyana who was also studying in England and Dr Trump, and Patricia Henry would become Dr Patricia Rodney, you know the great Patricia Rodney. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um in 1966, Dr. Rodney, Dr. Rodney obtained his, doc- his doctorate, which was based on a thesis on the impact of slavery on the Upper Guinea Coast. This work was pathbreaking in a way in which it analyzed the impact of slavery and the communities and the interrelationship between societies of the region and on the ecology of the region. The thesis was later refurbished and published under the title A History of the Upper Guinea Coast, 1545 to 1800. All right. So... um. He also went on to publish journal articles in the Journal of African History on Portuguese attempts at monopoly on the Upper Guinea Coast, 1580-1650 to 1650 in 1966, a reconsideration of the main invasions of Sierra Leone in 1967, and African slave and other forms of social oppression on the Upper Guinea Coast in the context of Atlantic slave trade in 1966. Um, he would go on from London to teach in Tanzania for a year, He lectured at Dar es Salaam in Tanzania, right? And then in 1968, he returned to his alma mater, the University of West Indies in Jamaica, to take up a post in the history department of the University of the West Indies. And this is where the story really starts. So this time I'm just giving a background of what happened, right? So, you know, 1968, he came back home, Um, with his wife, um, and vibes, you know, let's go. So, so Dr. Walter René come home and he is supposed to teach African history. This is the first time African history is being taught at U A, And he came in January and it was a bit late in the semester for him to start the course. So he was going to teach the next semester, which is, um, September, October, November. Like he must start running time there. So. While he was on UV campus, um, and oh before I, before I say anything, just look at the parallels there, right? You have a Guyanese, Doctor Elsa Govaya, who will be the first she's the first professor of Caribbean history, and then you have another Guyanese, Dr. Walter Rodney, who is who who has the post <laughs> who gained the post as the first professor of African history in the Caribbean supposed to I said was supposed to yeah mm-hmm <laughs> so look again too late in the semester so he's you know doing things so he didn't teach African history yet right? as I said before too late in the semester so he was doing a bit of you know side teaching and it was in European history <laughs> right so that's what teach. until he can teach the course that he was made to do so I'm a and animal you know the syllabus and stuff but while he was there he is, um, you know, he's doing these series of open lectures on African history outside the syllabus, right? Because the course, the fam- again, kind of the course. So he's doing, you know, these lectures on African history. And he also gave talks on the theme of black poets, university audiences, and middle-class club and organizations around the corporate era. But this is one of the things about Walter Ronnie and why he is the walking, he epitomizes Um, revolutionary intellect that was one of the things that he was big on is that when you have knowledge you have to bring to the masses you have to bring to the most oppressed people so they can also learn they can't keep knowledge in-house unto yourself so he would go into these black poor unemployed communities of west Kingston's right wrong kingston really and he's having these conversation with them and he's talking to them and you know he's he is is just having this conversation with these people. And in one of his most famous work, the groundings um, with my brothers, he says, um, it might be in sports clubs, it might be in schoolroom, it might be in a church, it might be in a gully, there are dark, dismal places with a black population who have to seek refuge there. I have spoken what people call dongle rubbish dumps, for that is where people live in Jamaica. I have sat on little old drums, rusty and mist of garbage and some black brothers and I have grounded together. Now, <laughs> one of the things I just want to say is that you know Walter Rodney is amazing, but some black brothers there were there are instances that women were there as well. So just don't deter that. <laughs> um, there are stories that women were part of these reasonings with him. Um, and one of the things that Walter Rodney did was he could what's the word camouflage? I don't I don't think camouflage is a word, but he moved in spaces that was like you know. Well, Only could I do. So he could go and be talking to the intellects of UA. Cool. But then he's going and I might sit on somebody's veranda and I talk about cricket because a huge cricket fan. He's <laughs> guy, guy a huge cricket fan. <laughs> or he's um, you know, going in these um, oppressed communities and talking to people and he's able to just um, move in these spaces with ease right and this is coming this is in the 60s 68 You understand so this is after 66 where you had the large migration of the indians and poor black people and the Rastas who were residing in bako who got driven out you know by the government to make space for this political haven which will become known as Tivoli gardens so there was a whole lot of people where he did a reach you understand and it goes on to say that Rodney's message met a vivid response from all who heard it students urban youth unemployed and rastafarians alike and they be- began to gather around them they began to gather around him the nucleus of a jamaica black power movement so you know that was that was rodney right and throughout 68 you know he's beginning this reputation and he's meeting with a lot of people um ten i met you media at the honor and i say honor because he's <laughs> one of the most wow story one of the best storytellers you ever meet um bongo jerry small who if you listen to best 100 fm you know bongo jerry and bongo jerry is also he also contributed a chapter to the gunnings with my brothers if you ever read that book and you know bongo speaks so well of Rodney you know he said that yo there were things that he didn't know Rodney was teaching him and it was just amazing he's like yo Rodney's like a few years older than him because at this time Rodney's like 25 26 very young man but this wealth of knowledge and Bonga Jerry Small would go on to introduce um Walter Rodney to <laughs> a future politician Dr. Peter Phillips when Dr. Peter Phillips was um a part of the rest of our uh, community um, I would say, yeah, I would say he was a part of, he had dreads and stuff. But, um, when he was a part of, he would have groundings with with, with Rodney as well. So for people who are like, you know, in PMP and close to that, to that, to that realm, you can always talk to Dr. Peter Phillips about his time with Rodney. <laughs> so he, w- Rodney was meeting with a whole lot of people, you know, and, um, but you start to see, that he wasn't going to minstrels about jamaica right um he defined black power as a movement and an ideology springing from the reality of oppression of black people by whites within the imperialist world as a whole and um on uh, marcus garvey's birthday on august 21st he said, um, "He said this thing where he said Randy made it clear that he regarded blacks as people of either African or Indian origin, and was prepared to keep the door open to the brown, reds, and so-called West Indian whites, so as to allow them to make up their minds where they stood on the issue of black power. In this sense, he argued, black power was not only ra- ra- racially, racially, what the hell, ra- racially, racial, <sighs> racially intolerant. It merely strove to ensure that the black man had power over his own destiny." Um... He will go on to say, "The moment that power is equitably distributed among several ethnic groups, then the very relevance of making a distinction between groups will be lost." What we most object to is the current image of multiracial society living in harmony. That is a myth designed to justify the exploitation suffered by the blackers of our population at the hands of light-skinned groups. Black power must proclaim that Jamaica is a black society. We should fly Garvey's Black Star Banner, and we will treat all other groups in the society on that understanding. They can have the basic rights of. All individuals but no privilege to exploit africans has has been the privilege during slavery and ever since right so you know that was that was running and but this is the thing when talking about black power in 1968 right and even though at the time jamaica was headed by a black man you share inside joke right there because um there's a lot of political history. There's a lot of papers that were written, opinion pieces that were written um, in years to come that would say Yushiriya was a white man in a black man's body and is a puppet to the US and blah, blah, blah. But skin color origin, and that's that. He was black. So we're just going to go with a black prime minister. Um, Ronnie was talking about black power in this time where. We're having this conversation about this revolutionary change across the world. So 1968, you would have the U.S. Black Power Movement beginning to take form. You would have, um, you know, um, yeah, start to have the, the, the formation, you know, with Bobby Seale and U.P. Newton to form the, um, Black Panthers, you would have the 68 Montgomery bus, this fiasco, you'd have the 67 Detroit riot, 65 was um, Malcolm X, um, assassination, you know, 68 was when, Martin Luther King Jr., his house would blow like all of these things happening in 68. 68 was also um the Mexico City Olympics and the raising of the fist. And then 68 was also the year of the student protest in South Africa. There was like a lot of these things happening in 68, and you kinda saw this tent It was like this tight tension happening. Like it was extremely tight. It's like, oh, black. This wasn't it wasn't black power in a geographical sense. It was black power in, like, oh, we got, as black people across the world are going to say about it. Because this was happening in different geographical areas, right? Um, official U.S. documents, until now, on top, new light on the Rodney Affair, um... It said that Rodney was under surveillance and his activities by a special branch of the Jamaican police in the months before October of 1968, and these documents were apparently shared with the. US Embassy. Um, it noted that the Jamaica Intelligence Services had a file on Rodney during his days as an undergraduate at the UA from 1960 to 1963, and it resumed its surveillance on him on his return to the island as a lecturer in 1968. Um, while Rodney was a student at UA, he went to Cuba. Where's Cuba? He went to Cuba. I think he went to Cuba. Yeah, and him himself- said, Oh, Cuba? Mm uh-huh. hmm. Yeah, man, like, let's, let's keep a our, our, our watchful eye on him. And um, summing up his activities under a period of seven years, the Jamaican spy makers reckon that Rodney was a, was a quotation here, convinced communists with poor Castro ideals and la- laterally, laterally, that's L-A-T-T-E-R-L-Y, to have taken an interest in black power. Because clearly, black power equal communism in some... We move the mixture of so-called pro-castro communism and black power would soon prove combustible right um in rodney's intelligence file it said that quotation last little time in interested himself in jamaican politics and his return to the island <laughs> and this is what he said one of his first acts reportedly was to organize a meeting of six revolutionary fellows again they are paranoid they are paranoid and as i said before one has to understand that the issue with Yushira, right? That he was kinda some threat to the status quo, right? Um so lead up to that, you start to hear these inklings. You know, this is August, you know, this is August September. You start to hear these inklings and stuff. And in the host of representatives, the Minister of Home Affairs, Roy McNeil, would declare that in my term of office and in the reading of records of problems in this country i have never came across a man who offers a greater threat to the security of this land than those walter riding this is 1968 you know and jamaica got through a problem you know but Roy mcneil would go on to say <laughs> i have never come across a man who offers a greater threat to the security of this land than those walter Rodney." so we're gonna continue right so um as it so happens right the this is august september 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 and one is the thing that is to start this course you know african history first course students are excited everybody's excited because first time and this is a man who he didn't study africa he like he went there (laughs) You Know you lived there, he was in Tanzania, and Tanzania is eastern Africa. But a lot of his papers was in upper coast Guinea, which is western Africa. So, and then he had these relationship with persons in South Africa, so it's like the bulk of sub Saharan, so sub Saharan, yeah, Africa. He has a wealth of knowledge about it. So everybody excited, but. The Jamaican government now, <clears throat> right, was planning for weeks to get running out of the country. And their strategy, their first strategy, was to do it through the university, right? So, they must said, yo, we don't even fire him. Strictly, boom, fire him. And it so happens that the Minister of Home Affairs, again, where I met Neil, informed the House that he had summoned the Vice-Chancellor, Sir Philip Sherlock. You know Sir Philip Sherlock. Um, there's a building over UA, I think name after him, Sir Philip Sherlock Building, i I think there's a building named after him. I'm not. I didn't go to U A. So but I think, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, yeah. Eight weeks previously to begin is attention and attention was a serious activities that were being conducted in this country by Rodney. So on October 14th, October 1968, the cabinet invited the Van Chancellor to discuss the matter with a view. To having him terminate Rodney's contract of employment. The Vice Chancellor informed the government that this was not possible since there was no professional grounds for his dismissal and moreover, that authority in these matters rested not on him but on the appointments committee. At this point the vo- the, vo- the Vice Chancellor volunteered that the government had ample authority to get rid of running if he wanted. Right? Prime Minister Yushiro presented this latter fact in a manner we suggested that the vi- vice-chancellor gave the impression that he would accuse, acquiesce, I cannot pronounce that word, that's A-C-Q-U-I-E-S-E. Like, why Ralph is doing this to me? Oh, this is a snippet from Ralph Gonzales' account of the running riots, and many of them are using big words here. Um, we will continue. The vice Chancellor argued instead that he was given an undertaking to have time to discuss the matter with his senior colleagues before any governmental action was to be taken. As it turned out, Sherlock was denied that time as the government banned Rodney the following day and the that it was urgent to do so. It seems clear over that Sherlock, having failed to obtain Sherlock's agreement to fire Rodney, decided to act promptly when he learned that Rodney was outside the country so what happened was that there was this as I said before 1968 was a very tense moment for black people because everybody was organizing in somewhere for him right and Rodney was at this he was in Canada right and in Canada was this event and it would become known as a conference of black writers he was presenting and he did a speech which we're gonna insert a snippet here snippet not there, I can insert it now. So just wait for it to insert. The minister of Jamaica, a black man, you know, he looks black anyway, he was approached with a request to let African history and an African language, Swahili, be taught in the schools. And he said, no, we can't have any of that. He give some reason, curious reason, something about there being so many different races in Jamaica, very curious. I mean, 95% of the people are black, but they can't teach an African language. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's what Walter Rani said about African history and African language and his critique of Yushiro, um, right? As a black man. that's I said before, the critiques would come in years after that Yushiro was a white man in a black man's body, blah, blah, blah. So Walter Rani is coming back right in jamaica on october 15th right he's coming back home and his plane land exactly at 220 right it's so that tuesday the plane land and he was not allowed to onboard the plane because this ban was in effect he got the status persona non-getta he was banned from coming in jamaica right but had the problem. Nine o'clock, news starts circulating, you know, because you have to go through a chain of commands. And the way things are work, yeah, of course, you can't hear the government know and then these people know and then these people know. But the students learn that it wasn't until n- the students learn at 9 p.m. Around that time that their favorite lecture was refused rein entry and confined to the aircraft. We couldn't, come, we couldn't come out for the aircraft, right? And that was when you know, you start to see the guilds start to organize. And hence the reason why, you know, it, became, it was a protest. So this is the organization of the protest, right? But this is the thing. Walter Rani is not Jamaican. Walter Rani is Guyanese. And when a Caribbean government is going to come go out of his way to ban a West Indian, you're not only seeing this in the context of a Jamaican, you're seeing it as, oh, as a Caribbean national, as a West Indian. I am not. Allowed free movement into my country, right? And this was oh, <laughs> a lot of things were put in place. At the time, there was a new leadership of the Guilds of Undergrads, right? And they that was a new period where you saw a large amount of um. What would I say? You saw the guilds was made up of persons who were non Jamaicans. These were students out who were coming from across the, the, the region. So you have like 50% Jamaicans, 50% non jamaican serving on the guilds. You understand? So Jamaicans are say, yo, oh, the government is anti black. Black people never strive. And then, you know, you have the non West Indian students, the non Jamaican students saying, this no not make no sense. So, Tourists are allowed to come to Jamaica. White tourists are allowed to come to Jamaica, About black West Indians aren't allowed. Like that doesn't make sense. You get me, Jefferson? So, you know, and them just never gonna take it. You know, them just never gonna take it. And this was when you started to see a shine. So, the guild's president at the time was Arnold Bertram, who, if you know Jamaica political history, you know Arnold Bertram. Arnold Bertram would go on to serve as the Minister of Culture in the 1970s. We have spoken about him on one episode, the episode about Bob Marley. We speak about Arnold Bertram because 1976 election, when, in my humble opinion, PMP did politicize Bob Marley, which led to a lot of events that happened in December, Arnold Bertram was was Minister of Culture. Arnold Bertram was also Minister of Local government in the late 1990s, when the government would take up um, the homeless people over Moby and dump them over the 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 the, the, the um, backside lake. We don't forget things. So, hmm. Arnold Bertram is still alive. He's still alive. Um, and he's one of Jamaica's. He became one of Jamaica's most prolific historians. Um, in later years, um, he wrote. A good book. Mm-hmm. I think probably the only extensive book about Norman Manley. So yeah, but you know, that that's be going to be Arnold Bertram Legacy. And then the guild's undergird president at the time was Ralph Gonzalves, who you know, Ralph Gonzalves is as of twenty twenty one is the current Prime Minister of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, right? And he, at the time, he was an economic student. And Ralph Gonzales have the, he have the legacy of being the longest serving head of state in the Anglophone Caribbean. Head of government, not head of state, I'm so sorry. Head of government in the Anglophone Caribbean. So yeah, so that's, you know, everything I can right there. Boom. So let us continue. So here is Ralph Gonzales and here is Ann Albertram and <laughs> them alone say, yo, you know, this man ban. So they all say, alright, cools. So the guild president and alright, so let's i put it in context because you have undergrad you have president so we're just going to talk about raf gonzalez so raf gonzalez contacted advanced dancer for his reaction but a lot of declined to comment until you know the facts soon thereafter a meeting of students on the campus was advertised for 11 p.m in Mary Seacole hall um and i think that's the all women's hall at anyway. uni i'm positive that is it and the meeting of some 900 students on a on can't that, accepted a resolution to march the following day under the offices of the Minister of Home Affairs and the Prime Minister and to deliver two petitions. It is important to note that there was no intention to march on Mona, but that buses would convey the students to specific points in the city from which they converged on the ministerial offices. To this end, Messrs. Macaulay were con- were contacted to provide the necessary transportation, but when they failed to turn up at the agreed time, that was when the students decided to proceed on foot. So the, the buses were supposed to come seven o'clock, but there was like a back for it. So the students say, "Yo, have got child on the gravel, take um." So back in the planning, so under the, the night, um, you know there they they the match of interest everything in order so they contacted um two lawyers one of whom was then the director of public prosecution mr hunt le monroe who was contacted through a family acquaintance the students therefore had some understanding as to when a march was legal or not um large number of students mostly women which no being, being very honest when a lot of people write and talk and talk about the Walter Rennie riots, and even talk about Walter Runner for women but Walter Rennie riots. Women were a part of this and the, the preparation into the riots, it was women. The making of sandwiches, the, the, the posters, the printing of pamphlets, the calling people, organizing, that was mostly women. That was mostly women and there's also the issue where you couldn't even... It's hard to track these women. It's really hard to track them because it's women in the '60s, you know, and the way women were framed, you couldn't you couldn't take part in a lot of things, you know. Cause I'm going to take a picture, and then this I can happen, and I this. But in the preparation of that event, it was women. Arnold Bertram, um, um, and I, so I know I said Ralph was so Ralph was Gill's undergrad president, and he was an econ major. Um, Arnold Bertram was a graduate student and a history major right and i did say he was he would go on to become one of our most prolific historians so you got the dream right there um he went into kingston at about 3 a.m to map out the points at which the buses would deliver the students and to trace the route for the march to the ministry of home affairs on duke street um we're gonna continue so this, here comes the riot on the morning of the 16th of October. So this is the riot, right? So just context. Walter Rodney was banned October 15th, right? No, the action by the ministry was October 14th. Um, the band, October 15th. The protest was October 16th. So here comes Wednesday morning, and a student gathered at the registry building at the university. I do not know where that is. From which they proceeded in a single file along Mona Road, The students were stopped on that road by a cordon of police officers armed with guns, buttons, tear gas bombs, aerosol cans of gas believed to be mace, which was frequent use against civil rights marches in the U.S. Machine guns were later mounted on the aqueduct above Mona Road. When stopped, the students committed no acts of violence and reasoned with the police about the right to peaceful (laughs) protest. And this is where, again, you know, we're going to talk about the women. So, the women... Students were vital at this point for a breakthrough and to distract the police. Many of them walk up to the police officer with seductive glances and, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> use them, use them off a the do you know, do them off a the do you know, and the police taking off guard in this manner, the police were unable temporarily to prevent one section of the protesters breaking through the cordon. Accordingly, the police were forced to chase the students and regroup at a lower point along the Mona Road. Um so while while the woman distracted um the police officers, the students broke through the cordon running at, running down the road towards Matilda's corner were through Wellington Drive off Mona Road, over barbed wire fences, through gullies in a nearby swamp to avoid the police at Matilda's Corner. Sympathized conductresses allowed many students to board the JOS buses free of charge. It's a matter the women, them. Yeah, the woman conductresses, I them do that. You understand? Just as I said before, the woman in the dead. Um, if the picture that we use on this flyer, you see students running in courts. There's Ralph, the tall guy, you know, that's 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 um, Arnold Bertram, and then the the small guy with the you know at the front. <laughs> that's Ralph. But to be note, you see them in these red coats, right? And that was how students were supposed to identify themselves by wearing their UE coats, right? Because students were not the only persons who took part in these protests. Also, a part of the protests were members of Walter and um groundings. So when they spoke to um arnold when we spoke to Bongo jerry small sorry Bongo jerry small made it note that yo um you know he was he he was um he was they were at you they were always at you they must say yo brother let must sleep in our people dorm room you understand they were part of the process as well so you had these men who were part of the groundings um rastas who were part of the groundings um who you know they were taking part so that's the one of the reasons why the students decided to wear their coats to set them apart from the other persons who were not um a part of this and bongo it's school? Bongo? bongo went to jc i think yeah so and he was pretty young at the time you know bongo is like 19 20 at the time so yeah um, so, by the time they reached them part there, the march at this point was temporarily broken up. One contingent of the marchers went down Hope Road past the Prime Minister's residence, and another along Hope Road to Crossroads. They were to meet again a couple of hours later in front of the Ministry of Home Affairs, that's where I met Deal, and Duke Street. That's where I met Deal, you know, place. At the corner of Wellington Drive and Mona Road, the police showed its first real sign of viciousness. John Rubir, a first year student, was still guessed at close range by a police officer. He fell and had to be assisted by his colleagues. Colleagues, from that point onwards, police brutality became one of the main features. Oh, me quote. This is a quote from Ralph Lanzales. From that point onwards, police brutality was one of the main features of the day events. Um, another person that we need to shed light on, you know, as i said before the great woman herself, Patricia Rodney. (laughs) Dr. Patricia Rodney. You understand? Um Walter and his wife. She was in Jamaica. And she was pregnant. And then Bernard was born. Like these things the government of Jamaica never considered that this man had a family. And here is his wife, right? And when they re- she took part in the protest, she was there. You understand she never was going to be left out because she went to the... She was a nurse at a university hospital at the time, right? And when the March Jamaica house, a tear gas canister was thrown at her feet. And she was... It's not, and then, you know, later accounts, or so people never knew, they knew because she was carrying this big placard that says, where's my husband? Around 10 a.m., the students arrive at the Ministry of Home Affairs by foot, car, and bus. A public meeting was held in the street outside the ministry at which the Guild President, the two Vice Presidents, Dr. Norman Govan, and Mrs. Rodney spoke. So, um, Dr. Norman Govan, if you don't know him, he is probably one of the most extraordinary intellectuals in Caribbean history. Um, absolutely amazing. He ended up, um... I think after retirement, going to Cuba to live. But absolutely amazing, man. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely like, intellect like, super amazing. Um, Dr. Rodney, without, uh, wait, sorry. Each speaker highlighted the inhumane manner in which the government had banned Dr. Rodney without allowing him time to set his family matters, especially since his young son and pregnant wife were in Jamaica. The Guild president argued that the ban consisted a serious breach of academic freedom and called on the government to lift the ban and put the issue before the judiciary for an impartial hearing. The most touching statement was made by Mrs. Rodney, who tearfully recounted the activities of her husband, which may have led to his exclusion from the country. She stressed that he was not a violent man and only presented the plight of his black brethren as he saw and understood, understood it. Much drama was presented at this public meeting where I met Neil, the Minister of Home Affairs, appeared at the guest of his ministry, well guarded by the security forces, and was subjected to much verbal abuse by the crowd, which was well over 2000s, because by the time they reached, the students were gathering the attention of other people across um, Kingston and St Andrew said there was unemployed youths, workers and rastas who have joined the protest. The officer in charge of the protest ordered the guild president to request the dispersal of the crowd on pain of the riot had been read. The officer was ignored on advice of a number of rastas and workers who would flat the guild president and offered protection. Fearing that an arrest of the student leader may spark off a bloody conflict between the crowd and the police, the officer withdrew, and joined McNeil at the gates. Meanwhile, efforts were being made by students to meet McNeil. He refused, but an audience was arranged for the guild president and his advisor, Dr. Govan, with a permanent secretary and other official. It was decided that the Prime Minister you would meet these two representatives from the university community on Friday, the 18th of October. In the event, the meeting never materialized. Right? And I'm going to tell you why the meeting never materialized. Because, (laughs) because, so this is the thing, um, historically, and I say historically, Jamaican government have this messed up nationalism. It's messed up. And what they use was this thing where they said, oh, Ralph Gonzales isn't Jamaican. He's Vincentian. That's what, they call, that's what I think the call people from St. Vincent and Gennady. Vincentians. And this is what he said by telegram. I will have to re, re, This is what Yushira said. He said, quotation, I will have to re-examine the question of the composition of the deputation if they want to see me. This is a matter affecting Jamaica. I do not see myself discuss- discussing the matter with anybody other than Jamaicans. As I was saying before, this messed up nationalism that made no like messed up and because the guilds again was an even number of non-jamaicans and jamaicans you share just use that to his advantage continue the bitu that's the bustamante industrial trade union which is the trade union arm of jlp um that was founded by jlp founder um bust alizana bustamante fun fact here the bitu is the unbelievable the bitu is the only trade union to ever exist in existence where the founder of the trade union name is in the trade union unheard of anywhere unheard of but (sighs) what's the Uh, and just to be fair Bust, at, at this time Bustamante was the president of JLP Yushira was was prime minister but Bustamante was the president of JLP so just want to put that in context here so the BITU claimed that the attack was engineered by supporters of the opposition PMP from the central Consti- Kingston constituency posing as students and some workers from Alpart who were involved in an industrial struggle on the side of the National Workers Union against the BITU now the national persons. Right, The National Workers' Union was the opposing arm of the BITU because the National Workers' Union was aligned with, P- with the People's National Party because the, Na- the National Workers' Union was founded by one of the founding members of PMP, Norman Manley, who was the current, at this time, was the current president of PMP and the leader of opposition. All right? I feel proud of myself. <laughs> you must say that all in one go. So you have all of these things happening. So them of course them can't politicize it. So this is BITU saying yo, this is them not care about what you're running They don't want it. It's like this is just all PNP things. But this is the thing. We can't find evidence that the PNP orchestrated this. Like we can't. Um, that PNP was a part of it. As far as we know, this was just student organized protest with a little help from with help from the rastas and um the the persons who are part of the groundings of of Walter Rodney we can't find evidence that pmp that pmp die hard pmp supporters are part of this. yeah maybe some of my students are pmp supporters which yeah cuz they would go on to join pmp but we can't say that it was all oh, it was a bad light to be shed on BIT. we can't we can't we can't say that so very difficult to say that. Um, yeah. So there was an attack in front of the BIT headquarters, and the subsequent police intervention forced the demonstrators to beat a hasty retreat down Duke Street. A large number found sanctuary in the nearby St. George's School. St. George's School is a all boys institution. Run this up on Duke Street. Yeah, I think. <laughs> From there, the decision was taken to march peacefully down Duke Street, across East Queen Street, down King Street, and across Harbor Street. Yo, me know all of them places. I'm a proud of myself. When the demonstrated assembly in front of the old Gleena building. By this time, several army helicopters were hovering around and the police were visibly reinforced. There was much chanting but no major incidents. Now, this is where Bongo gave us a little account of what happened during this because you had to get eyewitness accounts. of what happened. Yeah, so, so Bongo was saying that, yo. <laughs> them dede, Zimi, and they're like... Um, Cools, all heart, of New King, in the heart of Kingston. This is so for persons, non Jamaicans listening. We're in Kingston, 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 <laughs> downtown Kingston, right? And it's like uh, the students were saying, according to Bongo. A lot of these students were saying, yo, why don't we go into West Kingston? You know, since Ronnie was all for uplifting poor black people and get these poor black people out to join the to join us. Like, let's do it, you know. And Monga say I'm sitting on the them I'm crazy. Them <laughs> crazy. Them them far fetched from reality. If them things say. He anybody for doing this. <laughs> it's like, you know how to do that? Because this is them students who are basically opposing the government. A JLP-led government going into West Kingston, <laughs> which, which is basically supporters of JLP. There is no PMP supporters in there. There is no one of Panino side in there because they drive all of them out in 1966. Every poor black person in there is a JLP supporter. Like what do I do? When do I go? Why? <laughs> and Bongo was saying that yo were him and some other persons because Bongo, what Bongo said? I think Bongo said it was at the time it was residing August. At the time was residing in August. Town, I think if I'm not wrong, I think that's what he said. He was residing in August at the time. Bongo was like yo, you can't do them things here. Like this can't work. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Stay upon track. We're not going to West Kingston. Like he had to be the one telling them this, cause these students are like, it can't work. You can- can't do that. Not the time, or place. Right. So, um, them kind of regroup us. all right, We're not going to West Kingston. And the march proceeded up Orange Street to George. Oh boy, the name changed. Alright, so the March proceeded of Iron Street to Georgia 6 Memorial Park, which would become known as Heroes Park. Right? That's what we know as Heroes Park today. So for persons who the in a persons who know Heroes Park, we're the Woolma's Boys, Woolmas girls area. That's where we are now, right? So that's how far they reach. In the forefront at this point, where a number of university lectures include the great, Dora George Beckford. You know, one of them. Greatest economists of four times, um, who addressed the gathering, which was now several thousand strong. And the way the crowd behaved, in the main, was trained, There was n- much chanting, but no cars or buses were destroyed, and no stores were looted, according to the students. Them say at this point, when them reached there, nobody never looted nothing, nothing. They would, that, was, that was it, right? Um, however, there were <laughs> some local. You know, ruffle ruffling a, you know like a ruffle upon the gravel. Several brown people at the mercy of non student marchers studied for their safety. Once one, st- one non student, according to Ralph Gonzalez, opened the door of a large slow moving car, pulled out a brown Jamaican woman and slapped her thoroughly. The lady cried hysterically for some while afterwards. Listen life um, at, the, at your circle Dr. Beckford urged non-violence the police had other ideas and were now under clear instructions to stop the march at all costs they charged, swinging buttons and throwing tear gas cans as a result there were several clashes with the demonstrators in one tussle Dr. David Beckles a university lecturer we all know Dr. David Beckles fell in and in attempting to recover his spectacles were pronounced upon by three police men this is not funny This is not funny, at all, but... (laughs) Visualizing this is just hilarious, he ended up with a broken arm, several other demonstrators were beaten, especially those who had taken up a position opposite to the Prime Minister's office. The police, who had been stationed there since 10am, acted with evident brutality in an apparent attempt to impress the Prime Minister, who in all probability had given them instructions. So, in the 60s, mind you. So, those are, those are things to consider there. Um, so, we'll continue. The Vice-Chancellor arrived on a scene about 1 o'clock p.m. from a conf- conference to the Prime Minister and sought to get the students back on campus. He was greeted with a resounding no amidst other shouts of black power and B1 Shera. In keeping with that latter demand, the crowd surged forward but was beaten to retreat by a strong police contingent. Some regrouping by the demonstrators took place both in front of the Prime Minister's office and that of the neighbouring Minister of Finance. But they soon scampered away under a hail of tear gas with the police in hot pursuit. Many demonstrators were beaten when attempting to clear the fences which surrounded the park. So we'll continue. This signalled the end of the student march and many protesters ran off in different directions seeking refuge where possible. Because the Jamaican police... And that's the sometimes if just, you know, if for move, you know. Many headed towards the direction of Torrenton Bridge... Which, Wilma's people, Time Bridge, I run at the, run, run, yeah, Time Bridge at the bridge on the Wilma's side. <laughs> that's <Tarantown> Bridge. <laughs> Where, learn that, cla- or if you're Crossroads, a crossroad, you know that bridge before you reach a crossroad? I'm talking Jamaicans here, yeah, that's Tarantown Bridge. Um, Which was learned that clashes are taking place between police and the striking firemen at the York Park Fire Brigade. In a retreat, a few youths pull a policeman off his motorcycle. Um, at that time when the, the students began, at that time when the disorganization occurred, right? When all of this started to happen, that's when it started to have the looting happen. That's when it started to have the protests move into the riots, right? And that was when the Rodney riots became a thing, you Understand? So this is why I said it was the protests that started and then the riots. These students never anticipated the riots. They never asked the riots. They just want to talk to the prime minister. Right, that's all we want but mm, life. Um because this is a re recording, cool. We did an episode sometime back on the three gas riots of Jamaica and the gas riots largely all three started out as protests and then they move into our head. That's something that usually happens. It usually happens. So yeah. So that I just want to make that, that distinction. The students never organize that, right? They organize, right? organize protest. And then you just move this over more. Um, there was widespread smashing of windows along Harbor Street between King Street in the West and Fleet Street in the East. Big businesses, both foreign and local, were attacked. They included Canadian Imper- Imper- Imperial Imperial Bank of Commerce, Bank of London and Montreal, Pan-African, Air Jamaica, Kingston Ice and Community Service, Woolworth, North American Life, and Better Shoe Store. On Arryn Street, Marzuka's building was damaged, Royal Bank of Canada's Manchester Square branch was stoned, and so was the Jamaica Police Service Station at Gold Street. Significantly, 53 GOS buses were burnt or otherwise damaged, and this was clearly related to the fact that the fares had been <laughs> increased recently. <laughs> Conductresses and the bus were also above their cash pans. Looting continued at many stores in the city and on Spanish Town Road throughout the night. Still on October 16th, the damage was estimated at over 1 million pounds. Three persons were killed in incident related to the riots. Um, when the police realized that they can't, you know, manage all of this, the National Reserve was called out. And on the following day, the customs of South Kingston summoned all justices of the peace and the owners of rifles in the Kingston and San area to a meeting. Um Yeah. And before the end of the week, over 100 persons were arrested. To be no, no students were arrested. No students were arrested. But yeah. So, remember all of this are going on. You'd be like, "Yo," but the prime minister, pan. You know why why with the prime minister? So, in the evening, October 16, Prime Minister Yushira made a short radio and television broadcast to the nation, promising that he would have more to say in the house on the following day. And this is when the country learned that this is October 16, you know. Rodney banned October 15th. But uh, upon October 16th, it was known, it was declared, right, um that Rodney was banned because he was an undi- undi- undesirable foreigner. The undesirable word is actually in our constitution. Undesirable. And that under no circumstances would the exclusion order be revoked. Right? Norman Molly even though... Let me that Norman Manley at the time was the minister of opposition, you share a call normal statements irresponsible right and the reason why he called normal irresponsible because normally he said that government's ban on running was an arbitrary use of power and a plain denial of the rule of law and a monstrous breach of human rights normally went on to say that this action was calculated to damage the university inflame the students and intensify everything which we are seeking to avoid now this is something that i want to say right um Normally, I went on to say before we, before we know where we are, the government will be treating our students with tear gas and violence because of lawful demonstrations by them, and proving that we're unworthy to be the home of our St. University. But this is where the story get complicated, right? And this is where I, Davy, me, Davy, differ with a lot of persons when it comes to the PMP stance on the ban of PMP, throughout this time, never defended Walter Rennie. They never defended Walter Rennie. Well, I no mean, am PMP. Norman money never defended Walter Rennie. Norman money defended the band, which is a whole thing. Like, he was like, yo, why are we banning the man? You could have deal with this in a better way. If y'all thought he was a threat to the country, and y'all have been having this conversation for days upon days, the band, why aren't you banning him? you know shouldn't have a bun. that was <laughs> remember my stance like it wasn't yo I ran the defense it was the ban. so that's just the way I see it, the way I interpret it I Mean like I've seen other people say he defended the ban, but I'm like hmm not outrightly rightly so you know so that that's just my stance on the matter and then that's what's where Yushiro was like, yo. PMP had to listen, you know, irresponsible and abaga la la la. People he is really. Um, then he goes on to critique the vice chancellor Philip Sherlock, and he said, um, "The vice chancellor said, um, no, The Philip Sherlock was was making it known that this is the conversation that I had with the public." that that hired with the government on October and in previous time. Come I, I told her from the beginning that yo, they contacted the university to fire the man and the university said, you will say, yo, they're not do it. And Philip Sherlock make it known. And then in that broadcast, you share said, he said, um Philip Sherlock committed a grossly improper breach of convention by making public discussion which took place with him in the cabinet on Monday. Um right? um Usher goes on to say he saw the protesters being anti-jamaican and um he placed the burden of the demonstration on the shoulders of non-jamaican agitators and a few misguided jamaicans and he called the student hooligans and warned that they would be dealt with as such right and listen it was it was oh boy it was very bad and it was it was disgusting to witness this again, it was just like this very fast nationalism. Was just very weird farce nationalism. And that was mentioned by a few PNP people that like it was fast nationalism. <laughs> like would know like like it was as a like, can't ban him. That didn't made a sense. And then I normally would go on to say that, yo, the man have a wife and a child. <laughs> like no, no preparation in place. Not just ban like one, one big ban, and yeah. yeah. So on the evening, of October 16, we're still upon the same day because it's a long day. A public meeting was pre-arranged by some senior academics for 8 o'clock at the registry building. However, when a massive crowd assembled, among them a large contingent of rosters and unemployed youths, Bungo was a part of this, the senior academics, with the exception of Professor Douglas Hall, chickened out and left it to the guild president to conduct the meeting. It was decided that their meetings would be held daily throughout the crisis where the issues would be clarified. Information decimated, proposals made, and action taken. Phibes. And then... That's the end of the day. We are gonna talk about the aftermath that occurred. I don't know, this episode is gonna be so long, but I just vibes, you know, because we have to cover everything, you see me? So, we're gonna talk about this. So, the aftermath, right? So, there are a couple of things that happened in the aftermath of this. <laughs> So on the next day, Thursday, October seventeenth, right? There was a few things that let you know that yo, all right, this they were going to demonize these students, and the first was doing propaganda, and who them carrying for the propaganda? The Gleaner, the Daily Gleaner, our very own. Um, for non-Jamaicans, who are listening, the Gleaner is the oldest newspaper in Jamaica um founded by two planters um it was really just yeah that's how it started out and you know evolved into this mega newspaper that still survived today founded in 1834 so really really old newspaper now you know if you're listening to me maybe for the Gleaner, but this is how the Gleaner was a propaganda piece and just a context um sir neville ashim ashinem um he was a minister of state in the jlp government but the ashenem family to which he belonged was also the was not the first they, they were they were among the major shareholders of the at the time so you have these two entities that were joined by the hip right and that was jlp that was the jlp and the Gleaner, which continued throughout the 70s so if everybody's in any episode that we have on the 70s i have said many times that yo it is very hard to talk about the 70s, to know what is false and what is wrong. But don't trust the Glyna, because the Gleena was a propaganda piece for the JLP since 1943 to 1986. Me cannot trust them at all. Because everybody has to X, Y, Z, and Gleena tell you DEF. You know, right? <laughs> like, and the way they frame things are just weird. Like, like, yeah, really, yes, yeah, so but it's not the old oh, story go. So they were largely a propaganda piece for the JLP from inception days which maybe one day we'll tell the story why and how. Um, but just to note, also, they went all one to a propaganda piece. J.B.C., um was founded by norman manley and they attracted a very large number of pmp supporters so it's not even them we can't just need it like everything in the 60s and 70s was just one big mess to document jamaica accurately but big up to the the history master students who are doing it i wish y'all well i avoid that era for a reason Like mean, am uh, Mm -mm. i hate talking about it i hate 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 it it so bad so just to give context that these two media entities were very much um propaganda pieces for the party it's just that the gleaner the gleaner then they just nasty with it (laughs) and michael manley who when he just came from lsc and he worked at a public opinion which Thought the the forty, thought the fifties and thought the thirties, forties and fifties was, uh, counter. They were like a a rival newspaper. I say. they were the leftist newspaper for the Gleaner. The Gleaner was very right. They were a leftist newspaper for the Gleaner. When Michael Manley, Michael was a journalist there. Michael Manley just like. Every week there'll be one letter there'll be one article from Michael Money saying that yo, the Gleaner is trash, the cleaner is going to fall, like y'all no good, like on are dirty, on are wicked, like y'all are liars, like why on the like, frame the story like this? When you not accurately say what happened at the country are just such a push on the politics found people, like why want are so wicked and lie? And it so happened in the 1970s. Uh, michael manley would shut up a gleaner with pga beside him (laughs) and confront them like it was the it was the most bizarre rival like bruh. and then which is so funny because in 2021 the gleaner is having this like rival with the jlp and i just find it so poetic i find it super poetic and i'm like look at that who would have thought who would have thought because they all were besties (laughs) no look at you so, yeah, just a context. So, the Gleaner um, started this thing on October 17. And they had this story, that headline. Campus was bring the vandals. And then they had airport exclusion of security risk. And then this is the one that take it. Hooligans, marches, fires, thugs and rampage menace capital. And the story was very distorted. We got copies of it. and It was... It was nasty. <laughs> the them, left out every, them left out so much things that there were things that they left out. in know, note. they didn't mention that students were being beaten. They didn't mention that things were being thrown at Dr. Patricia Rodney. They, they didn't mention none of these things. It was just like, yo, these hooligans, these non-Jamaicans want to take us. And then there was this editorial piece that they did and they called it Cave Mona. <laughs> and them demonize Michael, them demonize Naman money. As I said before, this was going to be expected because who was funding the cleaner and where the cleaner stand in Jamaica politics. Like, they say, oh, um, you know, this, this is a, this is a betrayal of good government Uh, (laughs) and this, this makes no sense and like, this is the worst effect of the protest. And then they go on to make this quote. And they said, the late prime minister saw the scenes of campus folly when he gave it almost extra. No, they said, the late prime minister saw the scenes of campus folly when he gave it almost extraterritorial rights. This scale has come to an end. Mona must not be allowed to be a cave for robbers of peace and plotters of disorder. Right? And then, you know, just to say, oh, climate, Italy, like, oh, Rani's black power is not a black issue. It's not. Is the man trying to take over Jamaica. Like, Gleaner? yeah, boy, yeah, we'll not know peace. Yeah, we'll not know peace. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I said before now, the most poetic relationship, the JLP and the Gleaner, and to see y'all beef with each other, because y'all made my life so hard. The Gleaner made my life so hard, documenting Jamaica so, so hard worse than expensive. Their archives are extremely expensive. So I'm not even I'm not gonna talk about that too. But then we'll continue. Then there was also the Prime Minister's speech. Right? And you know um throughout his he throughout um, Yushira speech he made words such as Russia. He used words such as Russia and Cuba. Um as I said before earlier um Rodney went to Cuba, and then I have confirmation from no, yeah, Say that he also went to Russia. Um, and it was like this is this is the this is when you know, Cold War was forming. No, Cold War started there. And you know, people had this very you know their the fear of communism. So it's like, oh, let us use these these words on scare tactics to like you know, create this communist boogeyman, you know, you know, and, and, and they said the way you share a frame it, he was saying that, um, you know, um, he, he, he said that he was a black power fanatic and an advocate for castor right revolution. And he was a racist, um, who hated white and brown skin people, like, in the attack, in the attack, you sure did attack. <laughs> um, boy, mm hmm. And he started to issue this pamphlet called Tactic, Tactics, Tactics. And he claimed it was published by the Guilds of Undergraduate Students, but. Ralph Gonzalez say him never publish it at all. They must say, yo, they don't know what is this. They never do it. They had nothing to do with this. Um, and then the gleaner come back again on October 18th, 18th. And they had another editorial called Castro plot in which, um, you know, they call for increasing expenditure and defense and spying and other security measures. And, you know, to spy on these persons and get them out of the, co- get them out of the country Blah. listen, listen let us continue further down on on to on the friday of 18th of october the students were surprised to learn that dr governor had given up his place to dr A- 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 ob ob, 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 ob. aub i can't pronounce his name um and he was less progressive <laughs> very less progressive than dr govan um so that was just an interesting development there. The Gleaner come again on Saturday, 19th of October and another editorial, they called it a task. And this is what it argued. It said, on campus, Jamaica is still a colony ruled by the mystique of a region with which it is still not at ease and constantly being inducted indoctrinated under hypnosis by the eastern caribbean a jamaica youngster going to UE is going to a foreign land as strange as any campus overseas we shall need to take over the university and soon so that its energies and emotional power and study can become a genuine jamaica motivation and manifestation for change and progress again this messed up nationalism just messed up so messed up we'll continue On October 21st, October, the Vice-Chancellor had announced that an emergency meeting at the University Council would be held on November 12th, 1968. Two Two papers were up for consideration by the Council, one entitled Security Issues as They Affect Both Staff and Students, and another, a code of professional conduct for members of the academic staff. There was even a suggestion that a code of behavior for students should be drawn up. The purpose of these two papers was to satisfy the West Indian governments that the university would put its house in order as to prevent the university being used for subversion. All right? This never worked. And in later. Episodes, we're gonna find out way. Like we're gonna do, a, we're gonna do a follow up episode about this thing another time. But yeah, um, but yeah, there were general things because the, the 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 echoing throughout the region was y'all can't do this. This is this is y'all cannot do this. And then you know our fave. <laughs> but the man who involved with everything, like all the involving, then He's going to involve Edward Siaga. <laughs> Edward Siaga on November 2nd. He said that the University of West Indies is, is emasculating Jamaica nationalism. Brother, believe me must I say, I do not know what that means. First of all, I hate the word emasculating because I, 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 I make someone less of a man. I have no clue what that means. But emasculating Jamaican nationalism. Siaga. What? Siaga. I get. Siaga does find himself in that things where it was weird. <laughs> weird. Siaga. So there was a lot things that came out of the Walter Runner protests and the riots, um, the subsequent riots that took place. And one of the major things was the formation of the Abeng. You know, Abeng was the left newspaper. So, I, I mean, for the public opinion for a very long time was the rival newspaper for the Gleaner. But then Busta man to the side say, yo, that can't work. So, mid-60s, they... I'm not saying Buster. JLP, because Buster wasn't prime minister for a very huge portion of his so-called, you know, like... So, we're like, between 64... I mean, I feel like... Buster wasn't Prime Minister. The country was being headed by Donaldson, so largely, at that time, Buster's health was gone, Money got deaf, blind, couldn't walk, like, bag of things that are for him. <laughs> yeah, but, um, they are being, so, when, when the government got this, they banned the promotion and marketing of the public opinion, like, so that caused a lot of their revenues to fall, and it the newspaper just dissolved. There was no left newspaper in the Jamaica. Just like the Gleaner, and then the bang came, um, and it came, you know, out of those, out of the, water of, of the protest, you know, as very much um, consisting of um, these left intellectuals, um, per se, the, the educated left. So, you know. Trevor Monroe, the guy from Bank of from Bank of a name, Richard Biles, <laughs> um, uh, Arnold Bertram was part of the, DK Duncan, when you, you know, DK Duncan in the 60s was just his, radical dentist, like, you know, and Walter Ronnie wrote a lot for the, ben. he had some, um, editorial pieces there, so, that, that came out of them, you know, um, it was very much black nationalism, anti-imperialist, democratic tendencies. Like, that was the bang. Um, and they only lasted for a few months. <coughs> was... JLP, I should down that real quick. Um, uh, there was also increased surveillance on the Yui campus. Um, there were stories that they use women, these very attractive um, societal, attractive, so they talk like, what societal attractive women to draw prominent student leaders, you know, and learn about their personal details and what's happening with them do and blah blah blah. Um like them other things. There was also stories of Rastas who they, they had like persons or other guys of Rastas to engage in the stu engage with the students. Like there was a lot of things they were doing. Hella things. Um hella things. Um Ralph Gonzales made this note where he said that the Jamaican government, alongside with some other Caribbean governments and the American CIA, held a secret conference in Guyana in August 1969 to discuss the Randy crisis, among other things. And then there were some also other some other Black Americans, African Americans in Jamaica at the time, who well not that they, not in Jamaica, but they travelled to and from Jamaica. They were banned, um, as well. And then you know the famous books. <laughs> So, no, um there was a few books that were banned um weird and uh you share a government but this is the thing just to be note the books are going to be banned either way and with or without you share because the list the list of books that were banned were in the making um I think the only evidence that you can find is the one in 66 the person say there exists a list before but i've not seen it so i can't say like you know and i I probably i think only one person a year said it was at least before but um there was a list drawn up by donald sangsa in 66 (laughs) when he was basically acting prime acting prime minister because again as i say you know Busta helped it, gone, 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 gone. Um, and the books were um, by Walter Rodney. All the Walter Rodney books were banned. Books on communism. Any books to do with black history, black power. Like anything with black in it banned. No, literally anything with black in it banned. There was a black in it banned. There was a book called Black Beauty. If you've ever heard Black Beauty, Bo- <laughs> Black Beauty is about the worst. Them banned that, <laughs> everything did banned. Um, the books banned. Those books that were banned, they were lifted in mid seventies by Monday. Just the books that were they were lifted mid seventies by Monday. Um, and then originally there was a lot of outcry that happened. You know, it, never, it wasn't gonna go so. I remember, at the time there were different UE campuses throughout the Caribbean. So, and Trinidad and Barbados University campuses, there were student protests. Um, at UWE, in Trinidad, the St. Augustine campus, they threatened Dr. Williams, um, students threatened Dr. Williams to will remove as pro chancellor if he did not take action on the Jamaican government um against Water Running. But this is the thing with, with Eric Williams. Eric Williams have largely left out Trinidad out of Caribbean mess in the sixties and seventies. Like we're not getting involved. Like y'all, like he was like, Y'all are not gonna draw me out, draw me in. <laughs> like you get like no um and then in Walter and his home country in Guyana protests were re- widespread you know you had parliamentary opposition by the PPP and um the ASCRIA other organization and individuals were loading in condemnation um lectures on students on the U- Guyana University campus held rallies and suspended classes um There was uh, um, there were some three hundred students, lecturers, and members who were involved in a protest march to the PM at the time. That was Forbes Burnham, who we know Forbes Burnham. (laughs) So that was him. So that was him. Um, And then among their chances was "No running, no carifter, up run the downward share, academic freedom, R.I.P." Um. Yeah, and Burnham did see them, but he never like was like yo. You not did them take So that was the protest. Um, and then you may you might ask like, yo, where was Randy during all this time? At the two o'clock, the two twenty, when Randy couldn't come in Jamaica and a lot of these things was happening, he went to Cuba under the patronage of Fidel Castro. So during this whole time, he was in Cuba, and he would return to Tanzania to teach. Um, and that was where, you know, the historic books came. You know, you had Groundings with My Brothers that was published in 69, um, West Africa and the Atlantic Slave Trade, um, and his most prolific book, the Magnus, where you call it, Magnus Corp or like that? This is where my child for act smart and not try for talk big words and just not. Mm. His most famous book, or Europe Underdeveloped Africa, which was published in 1972, um, so we'll about, about it. uh, it's a must read, but in some Caribbean countries, it's a must read. It's literally mandatory read. Um, so yeah, that was what, what Rodney did. Um, so remember I tell you guys that Ra- Dr. Patricia Rodney talked to us earlier this year, like she, you know, she mentioned that, um, even though Rodney was banned, and Rodney is still banned, mind you. Dr. Walter Rodney is still banned by the Jamaican government. The ban has not been removed. It is still there. In 2021, JLP, y'all niggers are in power. Like, huh? Yes. Yeah. Can we get the ban removed? Can the ban be removed? Can we get the ban removed? Please. P- please. Like, bruh. we am soon going to this. But Dr. Patricia Rodney did mention that... Um, her husband was allowed on a special visa to visit the country while she was, when she went back to school, late 70s, he came in and out to see her. So, that was also a thing. And that was backed up by Bongo Jerismal. He said he knew that Walter Rani was in the country during the 70s. So, yeah. But this ban is still in place. i must say a special visa, but we we'll shouldn't talk about ban. Um, just a brief synopsis of what happened to Dr. Walter Rani and this, this is every whole episode by itself, so I'm not gonna go into it a lot. I'm just gonna give you a brief synopsis of what happened. In 1974, Walter returned to Guyana to take up an appointment as a professor of history at the University of Guyana. Um, but the government rescinded the appointment to be noted, he would at the University of Guyana he would be with um, Dr. Clive Thomas who would also be the other Guyanese professor who was banned by the Jamaican government months after Walter Rani was banned. If you want to know more about that, because it's really, really an interesting story, and probably because Walter Rani was just this major figure, Dr. Clive Thomas is another person's know about the banning of Dr. Clive Thomas. We have an episode. Go find the episode. It's over, it's over there. We talk about dr clive thomas it's there it's a great episode may i say so myself please go and listen to it but we're going to continue um and dr clive thomas was a econ professor at the university of Guyana. so and they were really close friends really good friends um but as i said before he couldn't get a job because the government rescinded the appointment burnham but ran a remaining guy know, they can't ban him because i'm an employee, that's his he's a citizen of the country He joined a newly formed political group, well, assisted in the formation of a newly formed um, political group, the Workers' People's Alliance, WPA. Between 1974 and 1979, he emerged as a leading figure in the resistance movement against the increasingly uh, authoritarian PNC government, Forbes Burnham. He gave public and private talks all over the country that served to engender a new political consciousness in the country. Um, Largely, a lot of speech on emancipation of working people as WPA gained popularity and momentum the PNC began a campaign of harassment including police raids house searches and beatings on July 11 1979 Walter together with seven others were arrested following the burning down of two government offices Rodden and four others who become known as the referendum five faced trumped up charges of arson but without proof and scrutiny there, there was no this is first Burnham but then we continue um Rodney's voice was not confined to Africa and the Caribbean, which was also heard in the U.S. and Europe. In the early mid-70s, he participated in discussion and lectures with the African Heritage Studies Association at Howard University. Um, Howard University is a HBCU that's in Washington, D.C., probably the most popular HBCU. And I say this with facts, probably the most popular, yeah. <laughs> the Institute of Black World in Atlanta, the African Studies and Research Center at Cornell, and the State University of New York at Binghamton. The persecution, however, continued. Two party members were killed, and the government denied Rodney and other permissions to travel. Despite this, Rodney continued his political work and attended Zimbabwe's independent celebrations in May 1980. Um, also, at their independence was Marley, You Marley. Know? He sang the song for them in a Zimbabwe. Z- Zimbabwe that he wrote for them. Um, yeah. Um, on Friday, you know, June 13th, 1980, Walter Rodney was assassinated by a bomb in Georgetown, Guyana. He was 38 years old. Um, it is with the hope that we will do an episode about his death in the future. Um, he will still remain married to Dr. Patricia Rodney, who is alive today. Clearly, that's what she talked to us. <laughs> Please, um, and they have they had three children: Shaka, Kanini, and Asha. And yeah, mm-hmm. so that was it. Um, at around the funeral, there were over thirty-five thousand persons in attendance, with many echoing the rallying cry of the WPA: "Don't mourn, organize." So, twenty-second of June was like a big day, you know. They were saying the mantra: "Don't mourn, organize." <laughs> um, and then in 2014, 34 years after Rodney's death, a commission of inquiry was appointed by then-president of Guyana, Guyana Donald Ramotar. There were 11 sittings with 66 sessions and evidence from 31 witnesses. The commission of inquiry declared that Rodney's death was not a misadventure that was on his death certificate. So there's a lot of problems that his family had to face because of what they put on his death certificate. But it was rather an assassination and the attorney general told legislators that the death certificate will be amended to delete the words misadvent- misadventure as the cause of death in 2021. Which is why we have an updated episode. Ah, yes. So in 2021, the government of Guyana announced that Radney would become a national monument. And this is the this is this is where we are. Rodney's works will be distributed to primary and secondary school learners across the country and his major works *Northward*, Northworthy, A History of Guyanese Working People, Guyanese sugar plantations in the late nineteenth century, and know Europe under underdeveloped Africa will be made available at the University of Guyana Library, while the Walter Rodney Chair at the University will be established. Twenty twenty one. So, so all of them things that we're going to do glp remove the ban it's 2021 remove the ban there is no need for the ban to be in place like nico remove the ban offer an apology like do like remove like remove the ban like like it's not gonna make a difference <laughs> See, because Walter Rodney, unfortunately died really young um but like remove the ban like remove it just all that dignity remove the ban like yeah please tell this <sighs> really and you know as i said before this is this is about walter Rodney and the the protests and the riots and the ban so in, as I said before, in the, it's in the hope in the future we can do more episodes on Walter Rodney throughout the ages, especially in the seventies and the work that he did in Guyana, because Walter Rodney and Dr. Matthew J. Smith, you know, a fave. As I said before, a fave here. Um, Dr. Matthew J. Smith, when we had a con, I was having a conversation with him earlier this year, which is mind blowing. Like I look up to this man; he's like my favorite historian. one of my favorite historians of all times and he said something that Walter Rodney is he compared Walter Rodney to Che Guevara because he said that they existed out they existed in different spaces where it's like so it's just something magnificent to study so Che Guevara is Argentine but through Latin America he's like like you gonna remember him as a doctor who bicycled throughout that region you know assisting the poor you know and the oppressed and persons who were being shackled by you know um the the uh, at the time who mm, uh, were being shackled <laughs> by you know US go US corporations agricultural corporations and that mono-economic um, society that would become known in Western um, cultures as Banana Republics. And um, he is the figure of revolution, you know. And then in Mexico, you remember him as being organized with the Castro brothers. And then in Cuba, you know, he is Che Guevara, like... <laughs> instrumental in the early stages of, um, um, the, the, that, of, of, of post, um, Cuba revolution government and, you know, even so leading the charge and assisting, um, that, 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 that government with the work that they were doing. And then you remember him in Eastern Africa, in Central and Eastern Africa and the work that he did in um, Angola and other countries on the continent. So, like, he exists out of this. And then, you know, Che Guevara and mainstream media and the, the T-shirts and stuff like that, like, you... He existed in so many spaces, you know? Like, it's hard to pinpoint. When they talk about Che Guevara, it's like, which Che Guevara you're talking about? And depending on where you go, you can get a different answer about who he is and where he studies. And the same thing with Walter Rodney. Walter Rodney, yeah, he was in Jamaica for eight months, but it changed a whole generation of people. I dare say, all right, I'm say this last. <laughs> um, so you have the Walter Rodney band in Jamaica, but then his work in Guyana in the 70s, legendary. You go to England. And you talk about Walter and you talk about Walter and the student and the work that he did and the papers he wrote and a lot of these things. You talk about Walter Rennie in um the U.S. and the influence that he had and the black power movement there and and even academic academia. You know, you talk about Walter Rennie and Tanzania, which he teach for a very long time, which he teach for a while. And then the studies that he did in West about West West Africa and the Upper Guinea coast. Like he existed in so much spaces. But um it's you know it's it it's it's he's one of those figures that exist in so many spaces and really cool for people to read and assess. But, but when I stopped talking about it, um Jerp removed the band. So yeah. Um uh, but that's the episode. Again, you can visit our website and you can find out these different um um sources that we used and you're gonna you can read for yourself and you know get a copy of whole europe underdeveloped africa great read um the girl um go go in my groundings with my brothers is also a good read um yeah so definitely so that's the episode again you can visit our website and see all the sources that were used. Um yeah, really, 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 really cool um stuff to read. But you know what's funny before I go, I want to say this. And this is just David talking. You know, I dare say that one of the things is that maybe if GLP didn't ban Walter Rennie, they probably would have won the 1972 seventy two election probably probably there's a probability there but there's also the issue where jlp were doing other things throughout the 60s that was very geared towards the oppressed of black people poor black people coral gardens but this the fight between them and poor black people in buckawal between 63 and 66 There's, there's like a lot of things happening um like so much things they were doing but it they were saying things and doing things and it was polar opposite of each other. And you know, when Michael Manley became leader of the PMP in 69, he just said, yo, we have gonna tap into that. I'm gonna tap into the struggles of poor people, I'm gonna tell them what they need he's going to advocate the way mm-hmm. they that appeals to them. And him do that. But the Walter Rodney protest gave the Walter Rodney band gave me to the matter that jlp largely never cared about black people because so well, you care about black people but you can to ban the first you're going to ban the man who who would have become the first professor of african studies in the caribbean yeah you know i mean? so a lot of things to talk to in but that's just my Davis view that maybe maybe that's still not changing my stance let me remove the ban. so that's the episode thank you all for listening i know it's long and um, and uh, yeah, can just go ahead and check out our website again for the sources. Use any questions I don't know. I visit we you have an email upon the website, to Twitter upon the website, or Instagram upon the website. Don't forget for at we and tell where you like and where you learn and all these nice things. And you know, so that's the episode. Thanks for listening and see everybody later. Yeah, <laughs> Oh, man. Give me the lights and about And I welcome people to Jam Rock each and every stage show Who drive me over look with them times they can't read now The only sound of crickets, critics can't speak now I man see the enemies arise. rising now Surprise We keep up, man a blaze and a laugh Them a look for my demise with them lies Them my walk them with scrap One elected and protected by the T-Fuck staff So make them get face if them face with face my class. I see the enemies them right and do no surprise If them line or no clean or chalk If them love them like them will watch how they move on line no, they my talk. When I not lying, and And we can't know that. I'm no talk, no talk. If I'm them up, then something them a losing my not dead talk. Pip, pip, black up in a me at midnight up in a me dark. Don't, don't be fooling yourself. I think I you alone smart. The prophet K is not provoke The youths not to rock.